the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up out of the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting him with whom I lightning on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, and with him I am well pleased. The Gospel and our Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. So, the third translation, I think, of what Jesus says to John on the banks of the Jordan River when he shows up to be baptized is, let me pass so that we can keep things right. And we're going to consider today what it looks like to keep things right. And a part of that is to invite Preston to come on up uh, to the lectern and tell us about his evil project. Preston, come on. Thank you, everybody. Good morning. My name is Preston Gorski. I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm 15 years old. I've come before you all today to explain the elephant in the room. <laughs> Some of you may recognize the name Karma Box or recognize its shape. The more I say the words Karma and Box together, the more I hear people say, uh, well, I've heard one of those. I've seen one of those. Often I also meet people who say, I love that idea. The project, uh, put simply, is these types of boxes put uh, all around the community and then uh, people put things in these boxes. So these things are toiletries, non-perishable foods, and clothes, etc. Anything that can really help those people in need who happen to walk by and uh, need something out of the box. There are already quite a few boxes in Reno, Las Vegas, and it's a growing amount in Carson uh, City. I chose this, uh, I chose building these common boxes as my Eagle project for Boy Scouts. I completed them a few weeks back, and this happens to be the fourth placement of seven boxes that I had built. It took, it was a four-hour project plus the painting, painting was a lot. But out of the seven, what makes this one special is this is the only one out of the seven uh, that will be uh, blessed or even go through a church ceremony like this. So this is truly special in that regard. Over anything, I'm most happy this box found such a great home. I'd like to thank my family for pushing me here and uh, the vestry for allowing me to do this and the church in general for hosting the box. That's all I got. If you have anything else you want to ask me that I might have missed when I was writing this speech this morning. Thank you. That's all I got. The founder of this Box project goes by the name Grant Denton. He happens to be here at the back. Thank you to him for making this possible. So if, if you want an example 
of what it means to keep things right according to Jesus. Here it is. I mean, this is yet another way that we, as a community of faith, uh, can pay attention uh, to those in need, which, as we pointed out in the past, if you look at the scriptures, the Jewish scriptures, and the Christian scriptures, that was the only point of the ancient community, was to pay attention to those in need. That was the mission. And it, and it remains the mission of Jesus uh, in these stories, and it continues to be our mission to this day. So here's a, here's a fabulous example of keeping things right. Um, I can give you a real quick example of what keeping things right doesn't look like. Uh, this from a book that I just began to read uh, by a professor of history at American University. His name is uh, Ibram Kendi. And he wrote a book entitled Stamped from the Beginning. It is about the history of racism uh, in America. And, and, and it's, it's stunning to read this history and to realize that racism uh, was embedded from the very beginning uh, in the colony, but it quickly entered into uh, the religious uh, circles of the colony. And here's an example. Have you folks heard of a guy named Cotton Mather in the 1600s? Known primarily for the Salem witch trial? Yes? Well, apparently, he was a dedicated racist. And here's a little bit that can be said. Throughout the social tumult of the 1690s, Cotton Mather obsessed over maintaining the social hierarchy by convincing the lowly that God and nature had put them there. Is this starting to sound a little familiar to you? It ought to, because we've continued this message to this day. Uh, and that whether that applied to women, children, enslaved Africans or poor people. This is, this is theology, folks. This is American religious theology being developed in the 1600s. And, and the reason I bring this up is that it is so, this stuff is so embedded in our religious DNA that I think we have to keep coming up against it, hitting up against it, seeing it, feeling it, uh, the pain of it, telling the truth about it, in, in order for that to be healed. And then uh, Kennedy goes on. Society, he said, became destabilized when children, women, and servants refused to accept their station. That's an example of what keeping things right doesn't look like. So, a week or so ago, I received an email from Jeanette Miller. Jeanette's in the back there. Jeanette is uh, one of the coordinators of the homeless shelter. Some of you may know that uh, there are now, how many, Jeanette, six faith communities? Seven. Who are hosting the cold weather homeless shelter, each of us, each of the congregations take on average a month. Our month is coming up in February, where we will have uh, homeless brothers and sisters 
uh, in the parish hall and the library sleeping overnight for the entire month. I can't remember where it started, but each of the congregations, uh, St. Teresa, St. Paul's Lutheran, Methodists, uh, now the um, Connected, uh, the Nazarenes have joined, and the Presbyterians, thank you, Chrissy. It's always good to have a Presbyterian in the room. <laughs> Jeanette, who's one of the coordinators of our efforts, uh, read a book by a guy named Greg Boyle entitled uh, Tattoos on the Heart. Greg is a California province Jesuit that I happen to know through the province. Uh, all the guys that I go on retreat with every year coming up week after next. And uh, Greg has done some extraordinary things in East Los Angeles, East Los, as we used to say when we lived down there. Uh, and she shared an excerpt that I'd like to pass along to you. And here's what Greg has to say. The strategy of Jesus is not centered in taking the right stand on issues, but rather in standing in the right place with the outcast and those relegated to the margins. Once the homeless began to sleep in the church at night, there was always the faintest evidence that they didn't you know what he's talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the smell. Come Sunday morning, we poo through the place as best we could. We would sprinkle I love my carpet on the rugs and vacuum like crazy. We'd place pokery and airwick around the church to combat this lingering, pervasive reminder that nearly 50 men had spent the night in our building. Not the only time we used incense at the Lord's mission was on Sunday morning before the 7.30 Mass. And still, try as we might, the smell remained. It's a who's who of everybody who was nobody, says Greg Boyle, in reference to those who slept in the building, gang members, drug addicts, homeless, undocumented. This one parishioner sees all this and shakes his head determined and disgusted as if to say, shame on you. You know, he said, this used to be a church. Greg, and this is well within Greg's character, says, so I mount my high horse and say, you know, most people around here think it's finally a church. <laughs> if you ever met Greg Boyle, you would understand this. And then he goes on. Now he's in the pulpit, right? And he's got everybody, he's got a captive audience. He says, come on now, people. What's the church smell like? One person pipes up. Well, it smells like feet, he says. He was old and he never cared what people thought. Excellent, says Greg, but what does, why does it smell like feet? Well, another pipes up, because many homeless men slept here last night. Well, and why do we let that happen here, asks Greg. It's nuestro compromiso. It's what we've committed to do, says another person. Well, why would anyone commit to do that? Porque esto que haría Jesús. It's what Jesus would do, says another person. Well then, what's the church smell like now? Greg asks. A man stands up and bellows, Huele a nuestro compromiso. 
It smells like commitment. Huh? Another jumps up and says, Lele a rosa! It smells like roses! <laughs> the tax church roars with laughter, and a newfound kinship that embraces someone else's odor has their own. The stink in the church hadn't changed at all. If anything, it had gotten worse. Only how the folks now saw it. The people at Dolores Mission had come to embody Wendell Berry's injunction. You have to be able to imagine lives that are not yours. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for reminding me. I read this years ago and I forgot all about it. It's why we do what we do and why we embrace uh, the other so that we can lean into what Jesus says to John the Baptist when he shows up at the banks of the Jordan River to get baptized so we can keep things alive.